Art is too important not to share. Welcome to the Allie and Callie Artcast. Hi, I'm Allie. And I'm Callie. And we're with the Coeur d'Alene Arts and Culture Alliance. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Callie, how's it going? Good. How are you, Allie? I'm good. My garage is getting clean. Oh, my God. How lucky are you? I am so lucky. Oh, my God. Just uh, the funny thing is, is though, it for, that, Was it for your birthday? Well, supposedly. So, of course, my birthday was weeks ago. I know, but that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's happening. Get, it's happening. That's, that's a- the most important thing. But the funny thing is, I went in there yesterday after you'd been in there all day, and it didn't look like a <laughs> thing had happened. It, it takes time. I know. It takes time. Well, he's still in there. And this, <laughs> this morning when I saw him, I did see one little corner was cleared out. That's good. And that was the corner that we haven't seen that stuff in probably five years. Because oh it was all piled on oh, yeah. top. Well, so that's my that's, that's my a, joy, my victory. That's good. Yeah. Well, my my garage is full of all kinds of things, mm-hmm. old cabinets. My kitchen is getting remodeled, and my yes. husband's doing a lot of the work with my um, future son-in-law. Uh huh. You know, I'm just assuming he's going to be our son-in-law. Right. And um, they have got a, the kitchen sink in my French country sink that I've always wanted. <gasps> Yay! The water's not on right now, but that's okay. I'm, yeah, you got to go look at it. It's beautiful. Yeah, we're in our house today. Um, and um, so there's so much going on. So my house is always in a total turmoil and chaos, and we're always in construction mode. And the only time our house ever looks clean is when we get ready to sell. So if oh. you ever see our house clean. I'll be scared. Yeah, be scared. Yeah. Be very, very scared. <laughs> you know but, when my you know when my house gets clean and the particularly the backyard? Yeah. When we're having a party. I know. We used to have parties too. Yeah. We need to have a party. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's we amazing do. what gets done around the house when you schedule a party. It works. It works every time. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm I'm well, speaking a, of uh, speaking of stuff around the house. Yeah. Around <laughs> whose house? Around your house. Yeah, I think we have a guest today. We do, and it just <laughs> happens to be Callie's husband, Stu. Yeah. Welcome, Stu. You guys must be desperate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, we're not. We're excited to have you because not only are you um, a wonderful actor and a supporter of the arts, mm-hmm. but you are a educational speaker. Some people would call you a motivational speaker. Let's find out a little bit about your background. Yeah. That's a nice open-ended question. (laughs) (laughs) My background. Um, Well, thank you guys for having me. I really, I, um, I, it's, it's interesting to sit here and listen to the two of them talk and they talk in code um, (laughs) because of course, when they say this isn't getting done or that's not getting done around the house, that's because one of the two husbands isn't getting it done. <laughs> and so to talk about what's happening in the garage or whatever, if you guys start all of your videos this way, <laughs> no wonder maybe Kevin and I shy away from listening to them. 
because I'm a little worried what I might find out. I'm like, what am I doing or not doing? And the two of you will be like, you'll, you'll tell me. No, but you no. won't tell me, you'll tell your audience. Oh, and so, yeah. tell everybody else. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So it's interesting to sit here and listening to all the things that aren't happening and think after 64 episodes, I wonder how much we get to get done. <laughs> You've done a lot, honey. We, we, we try. We you try. Really have. You know, you it's have. expensive out there to have other people do it. So. I know. But um, but tell us about your I, background. Well, thank you. I, I back will, at the I'll ranch. Back at the ranch. Um, mm-hmm. So I got my professional start, actually, with Allie back yes, in that's right. 1986. Yeah, and Allie's so, known my husband longer than I. That that's is correct. Right. Yes. Um, and she knows me for different reasons. <laughs> um, and so Allie and I go back to 1986. She, You had actually been with Coeur d'Alene Summer Theater prior to that, yes. certainly. And in 86, there was a pretty significant turnover of personnel, not, not because of any one reason, there just was. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of a part of that new um, kind of core group that came mm-hmm. in in 1986. And <clears throat> so we met Allie and she and I um, worked together on that summer and then 86, 87, 88. And those were the last years at the Little Playhouse mm-hmm. up on Lakes, late on, on 14th and That's Garden, right, what is now the Lake City Playhouse. And, but that was my, I was 20 when I got hired and I had my first professional show, my first professional rehearsal, and my first legal drink all on the same day. Right Where'd here. Where did you have your right legal drink? Uh, it, was, it was a place that only the real um, the locals, real would, locals know. would know. It was called Lake, Four and Aft. Four oh, and Aft. Four and Aft. Yeah, oh, where they, they, they tore way that. Back. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was That's a shot of tequila. And <clears throat> so, well, I mean, it's bartender's choice. You know, yeah. I said, well, what do you think I should have? He goes, your first one should be something you remember. You know, <laughs> there you go. Um, I think it's, he meant first shot. Anyway, so. But the four and a half, yeah. Now it's the, the, you know owned by the Hagenon Corporation. They have that whole the whole you know, plaza, the whole plaza down there. So right. that went away. Um, and so, it, it, and that was 86, 87, 88, and then it went dark in 89. And in 90, I, I took a job with the Missoula Children's Theater, and mm-hmm. they are the largest touring company in the world. And right out of little Missoula, Montana, and mm-hmm. they send out dozens and dozens of teams that work with hundreds of thousands of kids every year. Mm-hmm. And that was where you're working with kids and doing theater, where I kind of bridged the gap of, huh, I can do theater and I can work with kids. And that's where the education component came together. Mm-hmm. And so that was 1990 to 92. And uh, and then I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. And in 93, I finished my degree. And then all of a sudden, 1994 rolled around. And who should I meet? Oh, in 1994, who? who was that? I think it was me. I think, I hope it was you. Because, yeah. you know, it was, it was, you know, it was a crazy night. I think it was you. Um <laughs> So in 1994, and that's kind of when everything changed. And mm-hmm. so 1994, Callie and I were both cast in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. That's right. And I was a brother. She was a bride. Go figure. Mm-hmm. And so I floundered for a while, about four years, and you stuck with me. And uh, we got married in 98. Um, and then I got my, my bachelor's degree. I'm sorry. I had my bachelor's degree in theater. You had to get your master's. I had to get my master's degree, and in order to. And you to, got the master's in theater. Yeah, I have a double. I have a, I have a. I have a bachelor of arts in theater, and then I have a double certified master certification in education. All that really means mm-hmm. is that I kind of doubled down during the my my MAT classification, mm-hmm. and I got multiple certifications, and and that's where everything changed was education became my focus and 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 I love the theater the theater is great I've done a lot of theater work I've done over 125 open and closes in my life probably more than that actually well you became a you opened a theater um in 
Hillsboro, right? Yes. Yeah. So my my first teaching job, exactly, and that's right where we were. Ninety-seven, ninety-eight is, yeah, brand spanking new. I walked into a at the time, you know, now seven million dollars might not sound like a lot, but in nineteen ninety-eight, seven million dollar theater facility that was mine. We had box seats, orchestra, you know, pit. We had push button electric. I mean, it was a dream come true, and my dad was so proud. Oh, he was proud. And I did that for three years and then I quit and he was so mad. He was just like, (laughs) don't you understand if you stick with it, you get retirement. You get, as he called it, the Cadillac of insurances. Why would you walk away from that? And I'm like, well, dad, I want to be a motivational speaker. (laughs) He thought I was crazy. He said, Stu, don't take this wrong, but I think that's a bad idea. I don't think you're going to like it. And how many years have you been doing it? This is my 23rd year. Yeah. So I guess it was the right choice. I think it was the right choice. You did well. Yes. And so if we kind of, that was the seven minute version of getting to like right now, so I am a full-time educational speaker. If what you made had to, you want to become well, a motivational speaker? Though? I wish it was glamorous and sexy. I wish it was something that I could say, you know, there was some epiphany or a light bulb or some moment or something, but it was quite simply somebody asked. Oh. That was it. It was just like, I liked what I, I was seeing in this mm-hmm. arena. I was brand new to it. I, I actually just got trained in a program, you know, come and learn how to do this program. Take it back to your school like a thousand educators have done. Go mm-hmm. go offsite, learn something really cool, bring it back to your school and share it with everybody. Right. Well, that's what I did. I went, learned something cool, brought it back and I went, but that's so cool. I, I think I want to do that full time. Yeah. And, and so I, I kind of inquired like Mm -hmm. do you have like places for me to work and he says strangely yeah how would you you know kind of careful what you wish for and then one one day I just kind of got this phone call that said yeah you know what how'd you like to leave teaching you know just maybe maybe take a year leave of absence and come do this full time I'll train you I'll teach you everything and I was kind of handed a career on a platter oh wow and and that doesn't happen you know anybody could wake up tomorrow and say I'm gonna go be a speaker you know I I speak English I have a working vocabulary I have some stories but it's 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 like okay well why don't you just go and you know be a rock star because you can sing and play a guitar there's a Mm -hmm. there's a a, there's thousands of people who can play guitar and sing and many you've probably interviewed and thought how come you're not famous why are you like why are you not on the the global stage you know we love you as an artist in Mm -hmm. our community you are celebrated here but why not globally what is that thing well Mm -hmm. it's it's hard you don't just wake up and go do it right so I had a great mentor and I had a great teacher Uh, maybe not the perfect human being, but a perfect mentor and a perfect um, teacher. And so for five years, I learned everything that he could teach me. And then, you know, as things happen in transition, I created my own company. And guess who named that company? Who? Kelly did. Kelly. I said, I need to start a company. This is 2006. I need to start a company. I think we need to go into business for ourselves and not work for other people doing this crazy. And I said, what is it that it's about theater and it's about education, theater, you know, entertainment, education. And she says, well, I think you should call it the Ovation Company. Standing up for what's good in schools. I love that. Boom. And it was That's like. That's what 
bam. Yeah. Callie, like, that was brilliant. Isn't she I know. good? Every yeah. once in a while, I get one good one. Oh, no. it's, it's, it's more like every twice in a while. It happens a lot. It does. I'm good at naming things. You That's are about really it. good at naming things. Yeah. It, it, if you're out there thinking, hey, what do I want to name something? Call me. Call her. She's really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, call me. It's, it, there's like lots of songs that come in. Yeah, in, 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 I know. I was listening to Debbie. Debbie Harry. Harry. Yeah. Harry. Call me. Call me. Yeah, we're going to edit that part out. Um, oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Callie came up with the Ovation Company. And then what, why do why would we give an ovation? Because it's outstanding. It's it's better. It's 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 that we have to leap to our feet. And so we thought the concepts of the Ovation Company, which are rooted in kindness and rooted in a, a positive, you know, interactions with people, choosing kindness first. Mm-hmm. And so it was also that mel- meld of education and entertainment. And Callie and I coined a phrase that we call edutainment. Because, um, like I said, anybody can wake up tomorrow and be a speaker. Go, you mm-hmm. know, great. But why would a school pay you, you know, retail, take and interrupt their whole day, take away precious minutes of seat time for their staff and their students to come listen to you? You know, well, you better have something to say that's mm-hmm. worthwhile. And so, and it doesn't matter, even if you had the best speech on the planet, it doesn't really matter if they're not engaged, if they don't like it. You know, it, it's really, it kind of comes down to, do we even like you? Right. And if they don't like you, then it doesn't matter. I can right. have all the data, all the statistics, everything doesn't matter. Right. Hey, y'all. It's Jason from Tubbs Coffee Roasters. We are North Idaho's specialty coffee roaster. We are homegrown and we are local. We love coffee and we love our community, especially Allie and Callie in ArtCast. We have a retail space in our roastery in Hayden, and we can also be found on the shelves at Super One and Yolks. And if you like to buy coffee online, we do offer subscriptions. You can find us at TubbsCoffeeRoasters.com. Support arts and culture and your local roaster. That's all. So, Stu, why don't you kind of take us through a little bit about how it all works? You obviously travel and you go someplace. What What's what happens? Well, yes, travel. Holy cow! I have 1.1 million points with the International Hotel Group. That's the, <laughs> that's like the Holiday Inn Express people. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a half a million miles with Alaska, and I use those miles. And I am 51,000 miles away from being an Alaska million miler, which means I will be their top tier for the rest of my natural born life. Wow! So yes, I travel a lot, mm-hmm. and so I speak to about 120,000 students in a non-COVID year. <laughs> you know. Like, right. Prior to COVID, I would average about 120,000 students. And so over that career that we just kind of covered, it's about a little, little over 1.5 million is kind of has been my reach wow. in, in kind of my 23 years. Or so mm-hmm. I wasn't speaking to that many in the beginning. So, um, but it's, it's really interesting that my, my day is not unlike anybody else's day and that it becomes extremely routine. Mine just involves, I will get on an airplane and then we'll land someplace, get in my rental car, head to my hotel and wake up the next morning. And I walk into an environment. Most of the time I've never been in before mm-hmm. brand new school, brand new auditorium or a brand new gym. Most of the time it's gyms. It's the only thing big enough to hold maybe a thousand or 1500 students at a time. Mm -hmm. Somebody will introduce me. Um, Crazy how often that is a really poor introduction. I mean, really, really poor. Yeah. Like I won't tell you where Chico, California, however, it was bad. (laughs) And, um, and then I will, they'll hand me a microphone and then I will talk to 
their greater student population for about 55 to 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of try to be right around one class period, a traditional class period. Mm -hmm. And I am just me and a mic. And it's strange because in today's world, you know, they'll say, well, where do you want the screen to come down? I I don't need a screen. Well, how do you project your your, your, I don't need a projector. Well, how do you do your files? And I'm like, I don't need any of that. And I'm old school. First mm-hmm. of all, a lot of schools don't have that. They don't have access to that technology. Right. But I don't rely on anything. It's just me and a mic and sometimes as many as 2,000 kids in a day. Mm-hmm. And so I, I learned very quickly, kids are really honest and they will let you know pretty quickly if they like you or interested in you. Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, think of their environment. They're coming in on a Tuesday and somebody says, oh, there's an assembly today. And they're like, oh, well, what's the assembly about? Oh, I hate, you know, I was, and, and they're coming in with their routine interrupted. And then they walk into a gym, they cram them all in. And then they say, we've got this guy and they're looking for him, right? They're looking for, around and they kind of spot me, they think, cause mm-hmm. I, they don't recognize me. And then they're like, that's the guy. And sure enough, here's Stu. And I come running out to the center and they're looking at me, middle-aged, kind of just this side of bagel colored skin. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, look like I'm trying too hard. I'm wearing a hat and I kind of have like a fifth, you know, a five day shadow on my face and it's all a ploy. But they're like, why should I listen to this guy? Mm-hmm. Like, why? <clears throat> and they'll be courteous for a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. But if you don't get them within a couple of minutes, then they don't care. Right. Like, yeah, I'm not getting graded for this. I'm not going to get punished for this, you know. And so you you have to, that's where the edutainment comes in. I have to, I have to, there's, there's, there's a. So what do you do? Yeah, well, give us an example. I would, <clears throat> I'm going to come out, usually what I start with is just the obvious, and, and I learned this a long time ago, if I can't fix it, feature it. Because when they say this is stew, everybody giggles. They just do, because they think that's such a, ugh, like, yeah, it's like a, a stew. You know, I mean, there's uh, Stuart Little, he's a rodent, and Stewie on the family guys, you know, got an egg-shaped football head. You know, I mean, they, they only know stew as square or... Um, the butt of the joke. And so I usually start with my name and mm-hmm. Stu and I, I will talk about, you know, first of all, if I'm just glad my last name's not Pitt, that would be bad. And <laughs> <laughs> they giggle too, but then I've got a whole bunch of stuff. There was one, my favorite is I was literally in the Denver airport and my middle name is Dwayne, but I, I fly and I'm Stu Cabe. If I'm on Southwest Airlines, I get Stu Cabe. Mm-hmm. If I'm on American Airlines, it's Stuart Dwayne Cabe, right? But if I'm traveling on, um, you know, Frontier or Spirit Airlines because I lost a bet, I will be <laughs> Stu D and they squish it together. And I'm not kidding you, I'm sitting in the Denver airport and I hear this, uh, can we please have Stud Cabe come up to the podium, please? <laughs> Stud Cabe, if you're in the morning, Stud Cabe. And I didn't know what to do. All these people are looking up from their, their cell phone like, who would call their kid Stud, man? That's a... It's a lot of pressure, you know, and then they said it again. You're stud cape. Come on, I got a seat assignment for stud cape. So I just pop up and all these people are looking at me and I'm, you know, once again, they were disappointed. So I, I might start with just two or three things about my name or that my name is in the alphabet. P-Q-R-S-T-U. So anyway, and there's some, there's some silly things and because if they're going to giggle at Stu and then they, they would used to giggle that I'm from Idaho. Oh. Yeah. Until Idaho became cool. 
Oh. Idaho's cool now because they know so many people are leaving some of the places I go, Colorado, massive, mm. you know, Washington state, right. California. Those people are craving we're Idaho. Cool now. You are cool. Cool. So wow. it used to be that people would wow, say like, feel cool. I don't feel uh, cool. Yeah. Well, oh, wow. Anyway, yeah, but they'd like, you live in Idaho, like on purpose. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So you got Stu who lives in Idaho. Those are the first two things they hear before I even take the mic. So I address both of those things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I talk about just very briefly where I'm from and, and all of that. And then believe it or not, I start with my routine and how my routine of going, getting a car, going in the hotel, turning on the TV at my hotel and going to bed. That one routine changed my life because... <clears throat> Are you going to tell the story? I'm not going to... No, it's long. You don't want me... I can, I can do it in... I could probably do it in two minutes. Do it. Okay, it's do normally it. a 25-minute story. Because you are known as the big elephant guy. I, I am. Okay, so, so then that would it. lead to... Give us an example. What is the crux of what I talk about? Yes. And um, when you hear motivational speaker... And forgive me, but I do have to take a second because this is extremely critical especially to the profession, is that when you hear motivational speaker, a lot of times what you're probably expecting is somebody's going to come in and tell their story of struggle Mm -hmm. or their story of triumph Mm -hmm. or their story of fighting and scratching and clawing and getting to whatever it is and fixing something or in the process of fixing something. Classic stories of somebody who was overweight and lost weight or somebody who came from extreme poverty and fought their way through or came from no education opportunities and and now have a doctor's degree. and, And you hear about these people that went through extraordinary things that we would want to hear about Mm -hmm. and once again if I go back to nobody can see me but I am a middle-aged straight white male living in the United States I kind of won the lottery and I've known this for ever since the beginning of my career Mm -hmm. so I thought in the very beginning how can I stand up there and say woe is me Boy, you should look at how I struggled. Look how I triumphed. Look at, and and then, you know, and, and how even in now, you know, in these last three or four or five years, how even more on that would fall on deaf ears mm-hmm. as, as, as we are celebrating and, and elevating and championing diversity. And, right. and, and so I got maybe lucky or smart, but I don't talk about myself at all. I'm the narrator for things that I have seen that mm-hmm. helped me grow and learn. Mm-hmm. And and as the narrator, then that's they can get lost in the narration and they're not talking, it's not about how I learned or how I grew, you should be more like me. Mm-hmm. That, so that's really critical. Right. Right. So the I'm known as the big elephant guy because we're talking now close to 20 years ago. I, my routine, get my hotel, put the card in, go in, turn on the TV and whatever comes up, that's usually whoever was watching TV the night before it's, it's ESPN or it's a news channel. Mm-hmm. And it was animal planet one night. And I normally turn that off cause I end up crying. Literally. Oh. Don't you, I, doesn't everybody cry? And the, the puppies running through the field, I tear up. Right. Oh. So usually two things happen. I either cry or I donate money to the humane society. You know, <laughs> thank you, Sarah McLaughlin. So I don't, I don't usually watch. But at like 1.30 in the morning, I got sucked into this episode and it was a detective story about trying to figure out why so many elephants in Africa were dying Mm -hmm. and all the usual suspects, hunting, poaching, maybe disease or old age, they had ruled all of those out Mm -hmm. and they finally narrowed it down to they were starving, didn't have enough food and that's mostly because of us people coming in, chopping down the trees and so forth. And they had a bigger problem that this 
influx in elephants dying was not going to go away. Mm -hmm. So a bunch of really smart people said, we need to move these elephants to a refuge. And they found one 300 miles away, millions of acres protected, but they discovered it was hard to transport a 20,000 pound animal safely. So their brilliance was, let's move the little ones. Okay. There's there, you know, we can put four or five in a truck, drive them the 300 miles, come back. And if we move a bunch of those, then maybe we can put everything back in balance. The little ones grow up on the refuge. The big ones don't have to compete for food as the little ones get bigger. And on paper, that sounded fabulous. Mm -hmm. So that's what they did. And I'm literally about to go to bed thinking, oh, what a great little story, how they saved the elephants. And I'm almost going to turn the TV off and they go, stay tuned for part two. I'm like, oh, there's a part two. Part two is six or seven years later. And there's a phone call between the refuge and all those smart, you know, people. And they went on to basically say, your elephants are out of control. And they've targeted one particular species, the white rhinoceros. And at the time of the filming, there were less than 500 on Earth of these white rhinoceroses, 100 on the refuge. And they they were calling these people that saved the elephants that said, and your elephants killed 36 of them. (gasps) And normally... These they might they they are natural enemies, but they aren't natural aggressive enemies. It's right. more about territorial things, uh-huh. right? To kill a white rhino is very rare. To kill mm-hmm. thirty six of them is out of control. Right. So the smart people and all these really you know dedicated to you know animals. Uh, they couldn't solve the problem. And then they killed the 37th, the 38th, the 39th, and nothing they would do would curb the behavior. It was not only so out of the world, you know, out of, out of this world crazy, nothing they did would stop it. Mm-hmm. So they're about to basically euthanize all these elephants. When the park ranger says, hey, I know I'm not a scientist. I haven't been in all the meetings, but where are the big elephants? Like, I know this is a huge million acres, but where are they? Mm-hmm. He says, oh, well, we didn't bring any. Well, who's teaching a little elephant to grow up and act like big elephants? Oh. And everybody stopped. And smart people have smart people excuses, and they mm-hmm. could show data, they could show, you know, trends, they could show all of these steps taken, and they finally had to admit we didn't think about that. So they brought in, I'm almost done, I promise. They brought yeah, in, fine. they can only afford six big elephants. That's all they could afford to mm-hmm. safely transport in their park. And the moment they backed off the truck, there was an immediate little elephant kind of surge and the big mm-hmm. elephants are like, what are you doing? Shut up. Well, the first aggression that the little elephants showed towards a white rhino, the big elephants literally charged over, intercepted, dropped their trunks and started shaking them back, we back and forth, literally saying, no, no, that is not what we do here. Wow. And within, I'm not kidding you, 24 hours the little elephants started to fade, but they were watching big elephants do things that they'd never seen before, like Mm -hmm. throw mud on each other's back instead of just water. Water Mm -hmm. will cool them just for a moment, but if you throw mud, it becomes a a, a barrier that protects them, right? So they started mimicking all the things that big elephants started doing, including behavior. Mm -hmm. And the last thing they show as this is coming to an end is the little elephants grabbing onto the big elephants' tails and following them everywhere. They don't actually do that in nature. That's a trick that we teach them. They don't actually grab onto each other's tails. You've seen it, though, in like Dumbo and cartoons and so forth. The only reason an elephant would grab another elephant's tail is to say, hey, slow down. Don't leave us behind. And now the little elephants were grabbing onto their tails and following them everywhere. And... And I see the, why you cry. And then the caption. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And then the caption comes up and it, it just said six big elephants, not one more dead white rhino. Wow. And so these six elephants came in and they brought what had been interrupted 
culture, how we operate, what good manners are, character. And then I start comparing the big elephants and what happened, it was tragic, it wasn't their fault, mm -hmm. to human behavior. And where are the big elephants on your campus? Right. What are the little elephant behaviors that you're seeing? What do we need to look at and say, mm -hmm. that's not what we do here, right. right? And so if I can sum up in one minute, <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell them. That was a 25-minute story. I told them like six, I hope. And seven. he does it with a lot of physicality yeah, a lot and of, a lot of humor, very, too. It's very, very physical. It's, it's a it's, great story. I think you can see it online, even. I think so. Um, but I, I talk about big elephants in history. You know, I, I will go back and say, you know, 175 years ago, it was perfectly fine to own a human being. It was perfectly mm -hmm. fine, mm -hmm. but it was some big elephants, and we give a lot of credit to those big elephants that came and said, no, that's not what we do here, Right. and it changed. It didn't right. change overnight, right. but it did, or 100 years ago, women couldn't vote. Mm -hmm. Well, why? Because you're not a man. Well, no, that's, that's and big elephants came in, and, and that changed, or, you know, it, within my lifetime, within just about 55 or 60 years, these people had to sit at the back of the bus or these people couldn't sit at this countertop mm -hmm. and some big elephants came in and you already they come to your mind mm -hmm. you know you you know that's not what we do here and even just a few years ago it was perfectly fine to say to somebody you can't marry who you love and some big elephants came along and said of course you can marry who you love mm -hmm. and who knows what the next big elephant cultural shift in our world is going to be mm -hmm. but it's it's not about and and just so you know i don't ever call kids little elephants i call their behavior little elephant behavior oh, okay because here's what's brilliant those those little elephants literally became big elephants overnight they just had to say okay it starts now mm -hmm. so even if, if if a kid is struggling with their past or background or struggling with how they got to this moment you get to control tomorrow's moment right. and the day after that and the day after that and if you think in your brain oh Stu's labeling me a little no mm -mm, no you don't have to be the moment mm -hmm. that you just say I'm not gonna be then you're not and it's really that simple mm -hmm. you know and the little elephants didn't choose their environment but they once they were shown this is what we want it to look like. Then they had a choice. Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, you're right. That's not what we do here. And that's basically a life-changing story. But I'm the narrator of the story. I, it's not about me. My learning is equal, I hope, to their learning. The only difference is, I know. And you can't see it, of course, but I have my, my big elephant, little elephant tattoo on mm -hmm. my forearm. Yeah. And um, I got that four years ago. Yeah. 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 So that is um, an example of kind of my work trying mm -hmm. to edutain. That's what I do. Come see over 40 unique vendors at the last Coeur Flea Market of the year. Find us on Sunday, September 25th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Roosevelt Inn in downtown Coeur We are a local nonprofit that donates our proceeds to charities, both local and global. And your support this season has meant everything to us and our community. Let's celebrate one last time before the cold weather. Bring a friend and we will see you at the flea. All right, so Stu, you're, you're, you've told the story, you've, you've got their attention. They're paying attention to you. What happens now? Um, that's a great question. It's, it is a little subjective. It's hard, you know, sometimes kids will say very beautiful, lovely things uh, that Callie has actually witnessed, like today changed my life or today I, I, I had a kid write me a letter. I was thinking of hurting myself and oh, yeah. because of today, I feel like I'm going to be strong enough. I can get through this. And, and 
I would, I would say I might have been in the right place at the right time for that person to hear the right message, but I never give it credit. I just think that there was a, a connection, a mm -hmm. click, that it was just good timing because that doesn't happen for every student. Mm -hmm. And it might be maybe I <clears throat> got them to a thinking point and the very next moment they have is the one that clicks for them. So I just know that my moments are, in, are coupled with other people's that my one moment isn't isn't the end all be all or the reason why there was just enough moments before that mine clicked um but but sometimes then you you, you get kids thinking in a different way <clears throat> and i had this one young man I, I won't use his name but it was years ago in in oregon and he was doing a, a workshop of mine so not only doing a large assembly but then followed up with a couple hundred kids in a workshop very intense about, five hours yeah yeah about kindness mm -hmm. um how we treat each other you know and 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 being nice is is being nice is the avenue like to kindness like it's like if i told you to be angry just be angry. Well, you could try to be angry, but h how? Something has to lead to that. Mm -hmm. For me to just look at you and say, be kind, that's, there's, there's no difference. Mm -hmm. So how do we get to kind? Well, it's, it's using the words nice along the way, and then mm -hmm. kindness becomes who you are. It's not an action word. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a destination, right? It's a, it's a title. So I use nice and kind inner, you know, kind, nice might sound like a directive, like I'm pointing my finger, be nice, mm -hmm. you know, like, like, don't do that. But be nice is a reminder of what's the end result. It's kindness. Kindness is the result of us attempting to be nice and making that who we are. So mm -hmm. yeah, this one young man came in for a workshop and uh, he, the first thing I noticed about him is he had this huge head. He had a big, big head. And, um, and I'm going to notice things. I'm not making fun of him. I just, you're going to notice if a kid's in a wheelchair, you're going to know, I'm describing mm -hmm. what I saw. And he did this whole workshop and he got to the end of about five hours and we're literally trying to close the thing down. You know, school's going to come to an end, buses are waiting. Mm -hmm. And in the bleachers in a sea of a couple of hundred kids, this hand flies up and I look up and it's this kid. And I thought with two or three minutes left, like, well, hey, do you, do you have a question? He's like, no, no. Can I just come down there real quick and say something on your microphone? Well, I've learned I don't give up the microphone. I just don't because I don't know. I, I can't anticipate, even though it might come from a heartfelt place. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's going to stand and scold or, right. or complain or say something. So I'm really, but I said, okay. And the moment he pops up and starts walking down the bleachers, all the kids start to, to chatter. They, uh -huh. they do what I call an aside uh -huh. where they're looking at each other and making comments and you can feel the energy. The comments weren't kind. Right. They were like, look at this kid. Oh my gosh, it's that kid. Oh, look at, you know, and I immediately like, this is not going to go well. So he comes down, I hand him the mic. He says his name. He said he was a junior. He says, I, I, I walked in today that we we're going to do this kindness thing. And I thought it was going to be stupid, you know, but it wasn't because I think today is like the best day of school I ever had. Like, I didn't know that high school could feel like this. Like I've had people talk to me that have never talked to me before and I like it. So I'm just a little worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. So I just want to make everybody a promise. And my promise is this. If you say hi to me in the hallways, I will say hi back every single time. Now, what, what I discovered in that moment was he was saying, can I provide you an alternative? Because what kids were saying is stuff like, oh, here comes Mr. Potato Head. Hey, how'd you fit through the door? Hey, if, you know, if we tied a string to your foot, would you float like one of those Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade floats? I mean, this, that was his reality. Yeah. And then he's standing in front of 200 kids going, can I shift your options to just say hi? 
I'll say hi back every time. But then he, he, he says, but I can't on Thursday. <laughs> and, and we're like, what? <laughs> What's going on Thursday? You know, and we giggled too, you know, like this moment. And he goes, oh, Thursday. I can't say hi on Thursday. I, I'm not going to be at school on Thursday. Um, I have to go to the doctor. Um, I, have a, I have a brain tumor, um, so I'm not going to be here on Thursday. And then hands me the microphone back. And I'm like, did this kid just say... This is why I don't give up the microphone because right. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Anyway, and he just goes to sit down and then he stops and I'll never forget it. He stops yeah. and he turns back around, walks right towards me and I just hand him the microphone <laughs> and he takes it and he looks right at the audience. He goes, oh, and just in case you were wondering, the tumor is not because of the size of my head. And then hands me the microphone. Oh. And then the bell rang. School's over. Day's done. There's... There's no recovery. There's no, <laughs> right. there's no like, okay, everybody, uh, be nice out there. You know, nothing. There's no way to recover right. until I realize kids aren't leaving the gym. Like I can see the buses through the window. Like yeah. they should be leaving and, and they're nobody's not, moving. nobody's leaving. And I discovered that this kid ended up by the exit and a line had formed to shake his hand and pat him on the shoulders and, and say, hey man, listen, you hang in there. I, I got you. I, 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 I'll, I'll take notes for you in math class on Thursday. And he's got this flurry of activity, this big old smile, tears rolling down both cheeks. Oh my God. <laughs> which, <laughs> which of course begs the question, why did they wait to find out that he has was a brain. struggling with the brain tumor right, before yeah. they were nice to him? Right. See, what, what schools who are progressive and hiring folks possibly like me is that we're not waiting for something bad. We're trying to be proactive and promote good. Yeah. And to remind ourselves there's a human being on the other end, especially, you know, because now there's, there's there's so much more sophisticated ways to do this. Yeah. For all of us in this room, school <laughs> yeah. used to stop at three o'clock. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't, you know, or three o'clock on a Friday, you know, and then you wouldn't see anybody for a weekend. That's 24 right. seven. And it's not just 24 seven. It's five or six or seven different avenues to get to you. There's texting, there's Snapchat, there's all right. these things. All these things. And um, by the way, from what I understand, they removed the tumor. And three months later, it was benign. He was, and and I actually saw a post from him several years ago on Facebook that he was celebrating the anniversary of it, ten uh, year anniversary. So wow, yeah, he's good. lives in Central Washington, from what I know, and, and doing really well. Good. But those are the things that. But somebody, it's also be kind because you don't know what everyone's going through. Yeah, you don't know. Like it's if everybody, a good message. Yeah, if everybody had a chalkboard mm-hmm. that they could write every morning and all just dangle it around their neck, you know, like That's this another little, story, Steve yeah, another tells. Story. That'll that rip your heart out. Yeah, oh, boy. But, yeah. but imagine if you had a chalkboard that you could write on every single day that you just hung around your neck, just kind of hung there like a little your personal billboard. Mm-hmm. And it told the most important thing mm-hmm. that you needed to know about me today. Now, it could be celebration. It's my birthday. Imagine right. how many high Be fives nice to you meet get. It, right. yeah. Or I don't feel good. Okay, good. Yeah. Stay away from me, a little Petri dish. Or or, <laughs> yeah. or it could just be, you know, my parents told me they may be separating or, you know, we had to put a pet to sleep. You know, uh-huh. people would treat you differently. That's right. But we don't have that chalkboard. We never will. It's a concept mm-hmm. we've talked about for a long time. So our only, our only weapon truly is to fight back with kindness mm-hmm. and to say, I will do everything in my power to not make you feel bad because I can. Right. So, mm-hmm. and that's intentional. 
so that's I, I got a cool job. You so did. I, hey, cool I am so happy that you are here in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's it's been a long time coming in that, you know, 22 years, I, I've, I've learned a lot. And mm-hmm. so I'm at that point now where I'm just old enough to say, I think I got some stuff to share, but not too old that I can't do it anymore. Right. You know, he's and good I, at his job. And I do woodworking right. too. Well, I know, <laughs> yes. So I know that um, COVID was pretty, pretty damaging to your business. Yes. And lost you came up. percent Right. Mm-hmm. So you came up with an alternative to spending your days. Tell us about that. Ah, well, very briefly, I, yeah, I, I'm, I had to make money. So I started building decks. Um, I built furniture for a local business downtown. And then we started doing some woodworking and putting my modest little workshop into a little bit more higher gear where I could start producing things like like, uh, you know, cutting boards, charcuterie boards, you know, looking to build tables and butcher um, blocks blocks and Mm -hmm. and utilitarian type of art Mm -hmm. where it would be utilized. And um, because the word art, I never thought would be attached to my name unless I am Stu Art. (laughs) You are Stu Art. I am Stu Art. I'm Stuart. I just put that together today. I have (laughs) never, ever thought about that. That's a first. (laughs) I am Stu Art. Why didn't that, that should be my nickname that's literally my name Stuart. Stuart. s-t-u-a-r-t Art. i know that how could that not make my business cards it's a light bulb moment <laughs> i had a light bulb moment <laughs> Stuart. that's my name how that's could all I... you need is so Stu yes and i now Art. i now i with cali and our that's what i'm going to do whenever i retire from doing this crazy work yeah i will mm-hmm. i love my job i love what i do i don't like being away from home i'm gone about 130 or 140 days a year but when I'm home, that's where I find my joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some people have found that they like it. So we've mm-hmm. been selling some and people yeah. like them. Well, so. you did fun. very well during the studio tour. Right? Yes, yes, it was very, we yeah, were hopping. Awesome. The studio tour was mm-hmm. great. We Got sold, some commissions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Lots of people liked it and our supply is down and now we're in the business of building it up. Yep. Yay. That's right. Thanks. So Jim. this is what you guys do. This is pretty cool. Is I, can't, I just can't imagine all the folks that you've talked to. We've and talked I, to so many cool I hope people. When, when people. You're on the list. I am. Well, thank you. <laughs> That's right. Number 65 <laughs> or whatever. I think you are 65. Am I 65? Or, or 64 five. or 5. I think. But well, you know, we'll check one it of out. Anyway, you're one of them. You're, one of, you're, you're up 64 well, or 65. Well, yeah. I, I do hope that should somebody have listened to this all the way to the end to know how hard these three ladies work and oh. how grateful I am that you've you know, said, hey, we'll get you at least in the top 100. How do we oh. get a hold of you? Oh. What's your oh, website? 1-800-CALL-STUD. No, that's, <laughs> that's not. That's, that's definitely not That's it. a private line. Isn't yeah. it and ovationco.com? Yeah, it's Ovation Company. Yeah, just Ovation, ovation Company. So, company. Yeah, dot com. com. And there's mm-hmm. an 800 number there that you can utilize. And I think I you have some videos on your website. Yeah, they are. Too, they are. are a little... Um, you know, I, they actually, you know what, they're, they're 90% intact. Things change in more over the years, but they're, they're pretty much. Yeah. And so they're on YouTube. If you should Google, you know, stew or stew, big elephants or that'll Stu all come used up. to talk, uh, before the pandemic, he, he spoke to all the fifth graders for many years in Kootenai County, in Kootenai County, um, because our kids were in the in, in the system. That sounds terrible. In the system, they She's were doing in. Air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was big deal. So a lot of kids in the area. Yeah, a lot know, of the kids would know me. You're so. the elephant guy. Yeah. You're the big yeah, I've actually guy. been in Costco. Like, I saw you speak when I was in fifth grade. Yeah. You know? So they every been around up until the pandemic. The fifth graders 
from like 17 different elementary schools. Mm-hmm. They would come Post Falls, Rathrum. Yeah, on day. MLK Day. Yeah, on Martin Luther King Day. And yeah. I was their featured speaker. And we would, of course, tell the big elephant story and then talk about how much Martin Luther King is credited with certainly that movement, but then as the big elephant, the central big elephant that said, hey, everybody, we need to, this is what we do here. Right. Yeah. kind of thing. So. Well, I know I'd be telling a story and I'm going to because I know my son doesn't listen either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Byron was substitute teaching and you came to speak and he heard you and he said, I think I have a man crush. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's so cute. That's sweet. Very sweet. A man crush. Well, I, I always do like it too because the stories I I don't want to I like it when when young men young boys young young people um but especially the young men can feel that kindness is okay mm-hmm. that that being compassionate and empathetic you know because it's they struggle with that you know and they're like well I didn't even know like empathy what's empathy I had a fifth grader just very quickly he schooled me on empathy and you feel free to completely use this anybody that got it this far in this thing but I, he, I said, do you know the difference between sympathy and empathy? He's, he's 11. He goes, of course I do. I'm like, well, why don't you tell me? He goes, you watch football? I'm like, uh, yeah, I've watched football. He goes, okay. A guy gets tackled really hard. Have you went, oh, yeah, I've done that. He goes, did you get tackled? No. Why'd you react? Because you know how that hurts, right? That's empathy. I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's good. I'm like, yeah, that okay, good. Okay, that's great. What's sympathy when he doesn't get up? Oh, oh, oh I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, he's like, so do I pass? I'm like, oh, you, no. you pass. <laughs> I totally got schooled. Uh, yeah. So, wow. yeah, empathy is getting tackled really hard and sympathy's when. So, know. I want to just say on the last, like, just a little to spool it up here. How do you feel the kids are right now? Oh. In the fall of 2022, they are struggling. Yeah. Very, very much so more than I've ever seen. It makes sense. But imagine two years of complete and total interruption from role models, from learning Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. the sixth graders, learning from the eighth graders, Mm -hmm. the do's and don'ts. Imagine being programmed to say, you know, that they didn't have to have their computer screens on when the teachers that was so they would all turn them off. So a teacher was teaching to 26 black squares because they were not required. Right. So for a year and a half, a teacher was teaching to a, a microphone and a camera that they could see. But all they had to be was logged on. And because there was no requirement, there was there was mm-hmm. you couldn't you can do by law. However, that meant for a year and a half or almost two years for some school districts, I don't have to talk to you. I don't have to talk to you. I don't talk to you. And then you come back and throw some of these kids two years later. Uh, my argument, my, my argument, my, my comeback is I heard this on a TV program is that they're like eighth grade, uh, sixth graders in an eighth grade meat sack, right? <laughs> like, like they're brain is sixth grade, their body is eighth grade, right. or their brain is freshman, but their body is junior in high school. Mm-hmm. And they have had stunted cognitive development. And I didn't care. I, I'm going to say this. I don't care. I don't care about the math that they lost. And I don't care about the science or the, those things can be retaught. Right. My, yeah. my socially, socially and how we 
communicate. We need to take some care of Some of these of kids have not shook hands with somebody in three years. Mm-hmm. And some of these kids don't know how or why that's such a part of our culture. And mm-hmm. But just talking to somebody, they don't want to. They don't want to talk to each other. And then when they do, I was going to schools last October. They were averaging five fights a day. Wow. A day. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and those things certainly, you know, I was part of helping those you know, go down. But five fights a day, that's just, you're running from emergency to emergency to emergency. And the cortisol in their system is just pinging and it's, it's explosive. It's, it's really tough. And you know, it's tougher on, of course, the teachers, Mm -hmm. the teachers had to, I'm, they, they had to shift and make adjustments more than any other profession there, there was. Every other profession was, you know, if you, if you worked in a meat factory, you still went to the meat factory. Mm-hmm. You just had to wear masks or this or social distance or whatever. No, teachers. Everything you do live, got to do on camera. Everything you do, computer, everything, everything. It was huge. So yeah. they're struggling. Be patient with them. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to take it's some gonna take big elephants. It's going to take, yeah, we need yeah. some big elephants big to say this is what we do here. Support, support, support. Yeah. Support yeah. your kids. Support the teachers. Mm-hmm. Be there. You know, listen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. Yep. I had a nurse said, I spent $180,000. No, sorry, a counselor. $180,000 in our education, 12 years of public school, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and then a counseling degree. She said, I spent 180 grand to learn these two things. Listen and be nice. Uh. She said, I just saved you 180 grand. <laughs> Yay. Well, there we'll you go. You know was... we love you. No, oh, yes. this was Tariq. Yes. Treat. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I Thank appreciate you, that. Yeah. Thank you. Mwah. Very nice to Mwah. meet you. Mwah. Mwah. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> love you, Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that yeah. so much. Now they're like, oh, just end this thing, people. No, please. no, oh, it's no. great. It's this good. has been really great. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also um, come buy some boards from Stu Cave. Stu Art. Stu Art. Stu Art. Or the Stu D, remember Stu D stud? That was Stu D O. I know. You got a lot of fun things with your name. See? He's funny. And maybe you can catch him speaking sometime in the near future. Who knows? You're always welcome. But um, just thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. And get back to work. Finish that kitchen. (laughs) Go finish that kitchen. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But not really. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Right. Anyway. Anyway, I'm Allie. And I'm Callie. And whatever you do today, be kind and creative. Amen. The Allie and Callie Artcast is a program of the Coeur d'Alene Arts and Culture Alliance and is sponsored by NIA. North Idaho Alliance, a woman-based leadership organization designed to inspire, uplift, and impact your community and lives. And Tubbs Coffee Roasters, globally sourced, locally roasted coffee.